Hey, I'm Laurie. Hey, I'm Phil. And welcome back to Flicks and Film, Laurie and Phil, whichever way around that goes. Uh, the show that takes you through Netflix, movies, games. I think, Phil, we're going to graduate to things like board games down the line, right? I think it's whatever takes our fancy in the world of entertainment. How do you amuse yourself at these days? We'll cover it. It's been a sort of a live issue for most of us in the last year while we've all been trapped inside our homes. Phil and I have had a couple of weeks off, uh, one, one of which... We got sort of doubled down on lockdown, didn't we, Phil? Because uh, both our kids go to the same nursery and there was a COVID case, so we all had to enjoyably self-isolate during half-term. I think officially nice, it was an it? outbreak because the, did you see the numbers, not to slander our nursery because it's a very nice nursery, but the, it was quite high numbers that actually came out really? that got it. Yeah, no, I, I think didn't it, read the, the email. gossip around <laughs> the parents was that it was a staff member who spread it, but there you go. Oh, look, come on. We don't do this kind of thing. Exactly. We're all fighting together. For, we're all on the same team. Yeah. Beat the virus. You're not on coronavirus' side, are you? I'd are you on coronavirus's side? But they have messy so. Bailey. Are you on the? <laughs> well, stop this rubbish. Uh, well, welcome back. Um, we've got a few things to go through this week, starting with The Mandalorian season two. We reviewed season one a little while ago. Phil was aghast that I hadn't uh, watched both seasons by the time we talked about it. Are you glad to be back in season two, Phil? Yeah, I'm excited to be able to kind of properly unpick these things. Are we doing a spoiler chat, assuming that people have listened and watched it all? It's worth always assuming that we are going to do spoilers, because that's where most of the fun is to be had, right? Yeah, this is for... I mean, unless we it's something you haven't heard of and you're not that fussed, then maybe you'll listen to us and then you'll be fussed about it. But most of the time, it's you get to hear what we think <laughs> and you get to share what you think. And you can email us on flicksandfilms at gmail.com. Isn't that right, No, no you can't. No, no, you can't, Phil. Flicks and film. Singular film. Flicks well, and film. Aren't I glad I said that then? So now it's nice and clear. <laughs> yeah, or at flicks and film on Twitter. And then, Phil, you've got a couple of things as well. You've been playing a game? I have been playing a game, Hades. It's a sort of indie uh, sort of darling. I think it got game of the year last year. I've been playing a lot of it. A rather embarrassing amount, uh, much to the frustration of my wife, but it's all okay because I've been doing it on my handheld like I'm an 11 year old boy. So I've been having lots of fun playing Hades. I'm going to tell you about it and why I think you should play it, Laurie, as somebody who likes okay. video games as well. I do, although I've got a problem with video games, which you can come to <laughs> as we talk about it. Um, but then also a film, and a film, the title alone, Phil, doesn't make me want to watch it, if you don't mind me saying. Why not? Explain. Tell me, tell the people, to people well, listening. Tell us at home. what the title is. It's then, always, tell us what the title is. Always be my maybe. Not baby, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> what about that says I'm going to watch that? Well. It doesn't even know what it is. Maybe it's not a definite word, is it? I think that's uh, there is something in that title, and we'll talk about it when we get to it. <laughs> Always be my way. May, blah, 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 blah. Always be my maybe. I, I think you should watch it. It's a good, fun rom-com that we haven't seen for a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, and I'll see if I can throw in a few extra bits and bobs along the way. Uh, that is, if we don't ramble on too long. Should we get going? Yes, let's do it. Let's talk about The Mandalorian and Phil. I'm going to play the Series 2 trailer right at the top here to give us all uh, a bit of life and colour. Ready for that? Yes. Relive the moment, Phil. (laughs) Here it comes. Show me the one whose safety deemed such destruction. You must reunite it with its own kind. Where? This you must determine. The songs of eons past tell of battles between Mandalore the Great and an order of sorcerers called Jedi. You expect me to search the galaxy and deliver this creature to a race of enemy sorcerers? 
This is the way. Oh boy, oh boy, Phil, I wish I um, was faster at changing the volume knob <laughs> when I pressed play on that stuff. That was blowing my eardrums out. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Boy, oh the boy. Boy, oh boy. Uh, well, there we are, listeners. I'm sure this is bringing back memories for you if you've already seen uh, Series 2 of The Mandalorian. But there it is. Uh, he's off. He's got to take Baby Yoda. Or uh, actually, we don't know straight away, do we? But his name is Grogu, we discover in this series. He's got to return him to the Jedi, who we believe are his people with all kinds of things along the way. Phil, were you excited for Series 2? Um, I think I finished Season 1 thinking that was more and more enjoyable as it went on. I enjoyed the fact that you kind of got to in- introduce to these different characters and they kind of returned and they kind of drifted in and out of the Mandalorian's life and then you got the sense of there sort of being a progression to what was happening. Um, and so going into Season 2, I was looking forward to seeing some returning cast back. I wanted to see more of those characters who maybe just had one or two episodes that come back and feature again and yeah I was quite excited uh, and I didn't go in really knowing what was going to be contained but I think I was sort of cautiously excited I didn't quite know could it build on the hype was it going to just be more of the same more of him not really talking and not really doing anything and just sort of traipsing around doing this mission and then doing this mission and then doing this mission so I, I it was kind of a cautious optimism Okay, I think I'd probably share that with you. And in my case, you know, because I came to it quite late, um, I got to jump straight into Series 2. And so in, in my, my first comment, I have to say overall, is that it does feel kind of short to me. And I'll say that especially when I consider the second episode. I think it's the second episode. We had that first one where they have to destroy a crate dragon, which is cool because that expanded on something that's only hinted at um, in the original Star Wars movies. But in number two, it's that ice planet. Do you remember that? Where he mm. get, he kind of crash lands and there's all those spiders that turn up. And he deals with the frog lady. That's exactly right. The frog lady who's trying to transport all her eggs. Great unexpected comedy with Yoda eating mm. <laughs> his little squishy eggs uh, along the way. But do you know what I mean? It feels short because that's kind of filler, really, isn't it? It's um, They are torn between... There's this tension between the overriding story, which is clearly developing and bringing in existing Star Wars ideas... And this kind of self-contained, episodic narrative approach, the old space western, as you talked about with the first season. Did you feel there was a tension or did they get it right or what? Um, occasionally, but thankfully, I think the filler in this season is pretty good, actually. I really enjoyed that frog episode. I think there was some good humour and I didn't quite know what they were going to do with it because his ship gets completely sort of blown up and how was i genuinely didn't know how they were going to get out of that sort of sticky situation with the spiders and i was thinking you knew that he would though yeah i knew how how low that's the key thing how and um so i i I found myself genuinely enjoying some of the filler which i think perhaps maybe in the first season i was thinking oh where's this going come on get somewhere whereas i think this season Mm. i trust them a little bit more to get somewhere um but but i enjoyed that frog episode especially i thought that was quite a nice idea um 
and and the sort of tension around. I like the fact that it was a goofy frog. It was just the big frog, um, not some sort of silly, silly over the top alien, just a froggy alien. That was cool. I'm with you on that one. And I think uh, we said this about the last season as well. They've gone for their models for the most part. And so there is a sort of weird tackiness about it that actually feels fun and authentic. I thought that when they landed on the um, uh, Akbar, what's his race called? I can't Calamari. remember. Calamari. Cal, thank you, Mon Calamari. When they land on that planet with all the fishermen, I thought that was a really cool and well-realized planet. Actually, I wasn't crazy about the plot of that episode where they introduce yet another character. Um, these other Mandalorians who say, "Well, this is not the way," or whatever. She was taking the mick out of him for saying that, and you discover that the Mandalorian you think you know might actually be something of a religious zealot, you know, part of a sect or a cult who are a bit intense. That's right, isn't it? Have I got that wrong? No, I think I I disagree with you, though. This is fun. We're already disagreeing. I think that was quite good (laughs) because you've got contrast. He's not just sort of this solitary figure, sort of elusive and mythical. Instead, he is a character because he's got people who are from his sort of background, but completely disagree with him and think he's a bit weird. And maybe that's making him question himself. I think that's all good. And it means that you can have a rich character rather than just a stoic character. Well, no, no. So I'll agree with you about the character development, but I thought the episode itself... I I don't know. I just kind of thought it's another let's break into a, a ship and there's more people just acting tough all the time. And I was more interested in them being in the fishing port. Do you know what I mean? I would <laughs> rather that it wasn't another imperial battle and something a little bit more, I don't know, that filled out the world rather than just the character. And it's interesting you say that because I think that is what we get in this particular series is a much more of a honing in on the central figures and the central ideas of the story rather than expanding out into the world. Because, of course, this is where the Jedi turn up again. And I'll be honest with you, Phil, even though we all knew that's where it was headed, I wasn't exactly delighted that we're back with Jedis and lightsabers. How about you? Yeah, I was a bit nervous when Ahsoka, I think that's how Ahsoka, Ahsoka turned yeah. up. This is um, Rosario Dawson playing that uh, alien with the weird uh, sort of headdress pharaoh type thing with the stripy red Twi'lek, and white. is it? No, Maybe it's not, not. Twi'lek. It's something else. But... Um, she turns up, she's got double lightsaber, so she knows she's cool. Um, that episode in general, I was kind of thinking, oh, this is exciting. And I, I was sort of then a little bit let down because I didn't really know what to do with that character. Is it just there to sort of fan service, to to appeal to those people who watch the Clone Wars TV show? Um, but then I was quite pleased that she doesn't stay in the season. She's only in there for a little bit. Um, Mandalorian gets his upgrade, he gets his new weapon, so he gets plus five strength with his little Beskar spear. And then they <laughs> move on true, to something yeah. else, don't they? They move on to something else. And there's, uh, well, I think, yeah. there's enough variety, enough sort of people coming in and leaving the story that it doesn't get bogged down in the Jedi business. Um, and instead, it, it focuses on the main thing, I think, which is yeah, the, the, the dynamic between down. the little alien and the. And the scary. I, no, man. I would disagree. I think that particular episode, I think I mentioned last time, is directed by Dave Filoni. And I thought it's the worst directed episode, I think, of the whole series, precisely because it does let itself get bogged down in stuff that's irrelevant. You, you rightly point out she turns up just to point him in the direction of this what planet with the magic stone on it that Grogu goes to. She tells us his name and he goes there and teleport, you know communicates telepathically with Luke Skywalker, doesn't he? That's as it turns out. Um, so the, the whole episode was a filler episode just to signpost him somewhere else. But let's bear in mind this is Disney. Ahsoka is a film coming out, either a film or a series, I think. So it's entirely possible that the major reason she's in this is to show soft, everyone that there's... Soft pilot, sort of yeah, uh, a built-in yeah, exactly. pilot. Here yeah. comes a film, guys. You know, it's a, a sort of a, not exactly marketing, but fan service in that particular way. I just thought the duel and the whole story was rubbish in that particular planet and it was dealt with so portentously like 
we're supposed to care. It's almost like he thought he was making Kill Bill, Dave Filoni, um, with the battle at the end between the spear and Ahsoka and her two lightsabers. And I, I just found it turgid and annoying and it started to make me nervous. And I, I suppose that nervousness carried on into the um, the next one where Boba Fett turns up. Oh, no, I was excited for Boba Fett. Did you not get excited when you saw that guy? What's his name? Clone Trooper guy? Yeah, no, I was. And I, when I realised, because he turns up earlier on, doesn't he? In the first episode, you see him looking on. And I guess it was Boba Fett then. Is that Temuera Morrison? I think it is him, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, he played um, um, Django Fett in the, in the prequels. That's right. So, A, brilliant to see a prequel person getting a proper like shout-out, because they're often missing, I think, from mm. um, the new Star Wars stuff. And I thought he nailed it, actually. But again, I felt like the series took it all a, a little bit too seriously. Do you not think that? Yeah, but I feel like there's some sense in knowing a knowing wink. And like, surely that's so apparent from the ending. Do you not think there's a knowing wink that they know what they're doing? They know what they're, they're giving their audience. And I kind of think, yeah, I'm okay for it. I'm okay for some sugary sweets and snacks. And I'm going to which, enjoy Which it. ending are you referring oh, you to here? You know which ending I'm talking about. You're you mean Luke about, turning up? Yeah, the X-Wing turning up, the green lightsaber. I got genuinely quite excited, like a little little, little schoolboy. And I was thinking, is it Luke? Ah, I can't be Luke. It's going to be Luke. Ah. <laughs> I got genuinely quite excited. And then I well, like the <laughs> fact that he's there and then he goes. Like, it's not, I don't think he's going to return. He's not making, he's not going to be a future character in any meaningful sense. He's just there for a moment and then he goes. And uh, I think it kind of closes off the, the the little arc they've had with Grogu, the little baby Yoda. And it means mm. that you can then tell more stories. That surely has got to quite, be the thing. Quite dangerous. Quite dangerous, though, because that little um, dynamic between um, uh, the Mandalorian and baby Yoda is the thing that I think has breathed life into the series so far. So letting him vanish to go with Luke and probably never to be seen again, as you rightly point out, just leaves us with what? The worst ever signposted follow up? that sword or no what was it again it's like oh whoever has the best to win the, it. the uh, dark black, saber that's what it is yeah um, the black and you've got to, oh saber. it has to be won in battle that was a really weird scene you've got to at least acknowledge that it was quite badly done they just introduced it like oh there's something else so this is not ending we got renewed for third series so <laughs> something something put something in there no, that was i didn't i didn't Come i on. just feel like it's so I think if you don't have this sort of super serious attitude, it's Saturday morning cartoons. I said this last time we talked about Mandalorian yeah, season yeah. one. It's Saturday morning cartoons. It's good fun. It's seeing Shredder at the end. It's seeing whoever it is, some sort of, it's the, the what was that Power Ranger, the one which you never saw, but then p- popped up for occasional episodes. There was green? Like a, was he the green There one? was a special white one with like a, like a special shoulder pads and things. And he just pops I up occasionally, remember. but he's not always there. But you're like, as a kid, you're like, whoa, it's that one. You don't even know the name of them, but you're just excited. Yeah. And I think if you have that sort of attitude coming into Mandalorian uh, season two, I think you can have a good time. But what I really like about it, and I'm going to say something really positive, because I think you're you're bringing us down, Laurie. Come on. I'm not it's bringing fun. us down. I liked it. I Luke liked Skull it. I just, you know. Doing green lightsaber <laughs> stuff. Okay, so the, the positive thing I wanted to say was the fact that even though you've got this sort of lame, like, it doesn't matter, it's just sort of poppycorn fun. Poppycorn? Popcorn fun. Um, but in the h- heart of it, I think there are some moments which genuinely did work. Like, I think Grogu and, um, I forget the name of the Mandalorian, but the Mandalorian saying goodbye to each other genuinely was like a proper moment. And on top of that, you've also got that whole dynamic with Bill Burr. I'm a big Bill Burr fan. And I loved his yes, episode. Yeah. That was the best episode yes. of this whole season. Well, 
I'm, I agree with you completely. I wanted to build up into that. That's the one just before the final one where, what is it? They're trying to find out the location of the ship and get mm. the access codes, aren't they? Yeah. And yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. I thought that was excellent. I, um, that is this uh, director, Rick Famuyiwa, who I'm not very familiar with other than for The Mandalorian. And so far, his directed episodes are my favourite in both series. He can really handle action that doesn't feel over the top or underwhelming. Didn't you think so? Yeah, I really, I just like the whole idea of it. I like the fact that they were sort of breaking in and then they sort of became the heroes who managed to break in. And then you've got this whole sort of, I know this is a bit over the top, but that whole sort of Quentin Tarantino-esque tense dinner scene where Bill Burr's talking to his previous commander and what's he going to do? And building up that tension, even the tension of whether or not Mandalorian's going to take off his helmet. I think that whole dynamic yeah. is is great. And that's, I think that's what you're getting in this show is the the sort of popcorn fun mixed in with some genuinely well-crafted, well-written, well-performed, brilliant special effects episodes all bundled into one. So you kind of get, I think this is why it's appealing to so many people, why it's been so successful is because it kind of, who's not going to enjoy some aspect of it, I think. Well, no, definitely. And I'll take episodes like that over and over again because I thought it was so much fun to watch. But I do think tonally it's extremely different because they've gone with this multiple directors approach. Um, I think the the best comparison is with the Ahsoka one. If you watch that one, there's plenty of action and mystery and potential, but it's so slow and it clearly thinks a lot of itself, mm. whereas the Bill Burr one is all about the action. It's about the story, what's actually happening. It's not about um, these characters. So you stay for, you you come for the Luke Skywalkers and you stay for the Bill Burr being all Yeah, that's well moody. put. <laughs> they name dropped Thrawn. Are we going to talk about that? I cannot believe that. They name-dropped I mean, Thrawn with nothing else, just the name. That's it. Well, I mean, he is, exists on the TV show. There's a TV show where he actually features as a character one of the animated Which uh, one? It's shows. just Clone Wars again. It's, uh, I think it's Star Wars Rebels, which is why you probably haven't heard of it. But Laurie's... Listeners, let me give you a little insight into Laurie's life because Laurie's the guy who read the books with Thrawn in them. And uh, you were you excited? Were you scared? Were you nervous? What, what, no, how did I was you feel? not excited. Happily as a teenager, I loved those books. And the, the thing is, I, the, normally I wouldn't bother this kind of thing, but I think it is worth you knowing if you've not come across it before. But the Admiral Thrawn is the kind of imperial villain um, who, in the first ever spin-off books from Star Wars, that trilogy from Timothy Zahn called uh, the first one's The Heir to the Empire, the Thrawn trilogy, that was the first officially licensed Star Wars novel made after uh, everything had, it had been mm. released. And so it kind of was the original uh, new Star Wars, right? And taken away from George Lucas. So I think Thrawn holds a pretty special place or that that whole concept in the hearts of anyone who's followed Star Wars beyond the films. And seeing what Disney has already done, which is saying all of those books that you loved featuring Thrawn, by the way, that doesn't matter anymore because we've taken over. So now we're going to write it ourselves. And so when they say Thrawn, what I hear is, now you're going to ruin Thrawn as well. That's what I hear. Because they're not, they can't produce the Thrawn story because they've already ruined it with mm. um, the First Order stuff. So what are they going to do? They're just going to use him as a, a name check to, to draw in fans like me. And all they'll get is sad cynicism, I think. Um, I would love it to be great. I wish they just made those books. I think they would have been good films. Maybe just animate them. Do an animated Star Wars world or whatever. Who but they cares? can't film because now Star now Disney has their own canon, don't they? They've already messed it up. But this then is why I the Last Jedi mattered is... so much to so many people. Anyway, just to finish it off, but I feel like Mandalorian <laughs> is kind of this weird thing that is just it's like a 
a melting pot, a soup of uh, new ideas, old and new, mixing together. You've got Boba Fett, you've got the Clone Wars stuff, you've got new ideas, you've got... I think this is kind of how they're doing it now. They're sort of saying, okay, we did the sequel trilogies and they're kind of done, so what do we do? And this thing's really successful. And I think they're using this more as a launching point for new things than anything else, which I think kind of... Let's see where it goes. Let's see where it goes. I'm yeah. not, I'm optimistic. I'm not going to let you you make me sad. Look, I enjoyed Mandalorian season two a lot. I think the music's great. We don't we're not doing grades on this show, are we? But I I'd I'd rate it highly as a TV show. Just wish it was um, slightly longer. I think. Can you let us know what you thought of Mandalorian season two, specifically the second season? What did you think? Do you agree with us? Do you agree or disagree with Laurie or myself? You can email us um, um, flicksandfilm at gmail.com, Flicks with an X and at Flix and Film. Get in touch. We'd like to hear your thoughts and we could read it out on the show and then disagree yes, with you think, or agree. I think you worry too much about this email address. You need to say that it's X. It's in the name of the show. Well, <laughs> it's really you know, okay. That's what they say, don't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. Phil, just a quick thought here. Um, before, before we move on to your weird rom-com review, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe something, yes, no. Always be my maybe. You know, in films where you have oldie-worldy, like, weapons. So it's a war film. I, I, the one that immediately jumps to my mind is The Last Samurai. And the samurais, do you remember quite early on, the samurais in that film come charging on their horses through the forest mm. towards a group of quite ill-prepared uh, infantrymen. All oh, and they're doing their little muskets. pumping of the, yeah, the guns, trying to get right. the gunpowder down the barrels and things. I, it's something I have never understood in life or cinema is that, they they line all these guys up, right? And they get the guys at the front of the line with the guns to kneel down. The guys behind them stand up. And then you've got Billy Connolly, in this case, I think it is, or Tom Cruise, who stand there. They see the samurais coming. They go, hold, 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 open fire. Why do they hold? Why? <laughs> Can you tell me why do they hold? I don't understand. Is there a tactical advantage? Am I an idiot? If they can see them, they can shoot them. Laurie, why I'm why hold? Say, all it all it does is give them more chance to get mown down, which is of course exactly what happens. Have you ever seen a hold, hold, hold moment where these soldiers win? No, you haven't. <laughs> I no, I you can, haven't. I can see it on there because it never works. The in the movie world, it never works. Holding is not worth never. it. Never, um, because some idiot old man always fires the arrow into the Urukai's neck there you go that's right Lord does. of the Rings exactly and then the it all thing. goes to wrong yeah. because that old man silly old man <laughs> no but I thought tactically isn't it that the guns aren't very accurate so the closer they are the more likely they're going to hit them all I still don't think it makes any difference at all because it's not as if they all combine to make one super Mario style giant bullet is it it's, do you know what I mean it, <laughs> bullet bill like with a big angry face I still face. don't understand I, I don't understand because it, the person is not going to shoot more accurately if they all shoot at the same time. So what does it really matter if they all shoot at slightly different times? Is it? And in fact, it's even worse because if someone shoots the guy that you're aiming at, you're going to shift aim, right? And shoot someone else. So if you all shoot at once, you're just increasing the likelihood that some people will shoot the same person. What are you? <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I have I'm, thought about this quite a lot. Not that I ever want to be in this situation. Lorry the general. Lorry the general. It doesn't make any. It's just like I felt about <laughs> ships when everyone goes on about ships in films. We don't have enough ships. They've got far more ships than me. What's the point of ships? <laughs> <laughs> What's the point? Unless they got guns. What's the point of ships? I like <laughs> military tactics in films. I bet you real soldiers cannot handle what they see there because surely it's all dramatic effect. So you've got no answer for me there, Phil. 
Well, I haven't. I have no. I've got. A, 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 having you said that, what does what do soldiers react to um, when they see these films and things? I do have a little addendum, an extra story I can add on to that. Is one time I was playing. I was playing the video game Fortnite, the battle royale game. <sighs> And if you're going to try around. and link that to real soldiers right now. No, no, no. <laughs> like, I was being okay. watched. I was doing this at a party. It was a weird party. But I was doing this at a party. Right. I was playing Fortnite and a soldier was actually there. Really? Who was like, yeah, he, 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 he was like a, he'd gone to, I don't know, Sandhurst or one of these kind of corporal things. And I was sort of saying, oh, look around the corner. Okay, just wait, wait, wait. And there was a moment where I'm just playing my game, like, like shoot, telling, telling my friend what we're doing. It's like, oh, find some cover. We need to find some ammunition. Right. Look, 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 pause, hide in the bushes, all this sort of stuff. And he just sort of slapped his knee and was like, it's so funny because that's what we do in the army. And I was thinking, what? <laughs> what? No, no, this is not reassuring at all. I'm literally playing a video wow. game. I don't know tactics. Please tell me you do something better than what I am currently doing in a how video do you, game. How do you know he he wasn't just laughing and uh, like joking with you? Surely. <laughs> I mean, no. soldiers, soldiers are famously... Uh, are they famously jokers? I would say they're oh, not yeah. jokers. G- they're G- very serious no, no, I people. would say... No, GSOH, mate. I think a lot of soldiers probably know how to laugh. I think you'd the have way to the way this like was that. happening, I think there was a bit of genuine, there was a genuine nugget of, oh, it's so funny. These these civilians are just know exactly the same tactics that we do in in That's army. Terrible news. Yeah, exactly. I will, what I will say, and we're talking way too long about this. I watched a um, a video on YouTube a little while ago, just one of the ones that popped up and the recommendations. It was quite interesting. Where they have uh, some ex Navy SEAL or whoever it is uh, playing Call of Duty or Special Ops or whatever it is. And uh, that is quite interesting to hear what he says. And there are some quite unsettling things that the guy does. Like uh, whenever someone gets taken down by him with his guns, he always walks over to them again and double checks. <laughs> he said, double check. And he does it like insti- <laughs> oh, with no. instinct. And it's quite oh. frightening to watch. Um, so anyway, look, that might take you down a dark alley that I did not intend. But anyway, <laughs> hold, 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 open fire. Sorry, you lost again. What yeah. we need is a general to email the show and just say, oh, actually, I think you'll find that uh, in the Battle of Blah, 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 this worked. So if, you if you're that general, know, I yeah. Would, yeah, I would genuinely be quite interested. Is there any genuine tactical advantage to it or not? It seems to me like you're just giving yourself less time to hit them and more time for your inexperienced troops to freak out, which always happens anyway. <laughs> Let's move along. So this film, Always Be My Maybe, came out in 2019 on Netflix. It is the product of Randall Park and Ali Wong, who both star in the film and are writers, as well as Michael Galamko. Galamko. <laughs> what? Michael Galamko. So this is written G O L A M C O. How would you say that? I'm trying to help you because I can't see it anywhere. Michael Galamko. Okay, yeah, yeah. Galamko. Galamko. Yeah, Michael Galamko. So Randall Park and Ali Wong. Ali Wong is a stand-up comedian who did. The special Baby Cobra. She did a stand-up special while very pregnant, and uh, and sort of channeled that all into her stand-up. And I found it pretty funny. And then Randall Park is that guy. You probably have seen him in quite a few things. You might have even seen him in WandaVision uh, more recently. Oh, really? He's in that. Is he playing the same character as he does in Ant Man? Because he has always stood out to me as one of the funniest things in Ant Man. He plays uh, a, a Agent Wu in WandaVision. So yeah. if you've been watching WandaVision, he's in that Agent Wu. And I think I've just looked up. Yes, he is in Ant-Man as well. It's the same yeah, character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great character. Really good character. And he plays it brilliantly. He was one of the best things about it. Sorry, Phil. I'll stop talking about that now. When do you want to, uh, me to play the trailer? Well, I was sort of mid-flow explaining it all. Anyway, these two have written the film. They star <laughs> in the film. Um, it's uh, all about Marcus and Sasha. Let's see the trailer now. And you can maybe pick up some of the plot. 
That really ruined your flow, didn't I? Here you we did. go. You did. You're gonna be late. All right, I look good. Yes. Water. That came from your thigh gap. No, thank you. Thanks for calling it a gap. <laughs> Up with celebrity chef Sasha Trent and her fiance Brandon Choi. What a great cause, huh? Mm. Are you also to get the party? We are opening a new restaurant and I need you in San Francisco. Hey! Hi, Marcus. Yeah, hi, Sasha. Hi. Hello. Hi. Long time. Yes, yes, very long time. What's up? Sasha Trent! Mr. Kim! You're like her own Asian Oprah. How much money do you have now? <laughs> He's serious. Oh. I'm surprised you two lost touch. You used to be so close. So, when's the big wedding day? He wants to travel a bit before we settle down. It's really for the both of us. I finally realized that I don't want to get married. Are you kidding me? I can tell you're a little... I hope you get malaria! <laughs> a little softer, please. You are scaring the goats. I guess I have to start dating again. Ugh, is there anything worse? You and Marcus are so cute. Mm, no, no. Remind me why you never got together? There's way too much history there. Oh. Yeah. You still have the Corolla? What are you looking at? My backseat? What do you think? That it might be even smaller and grosser than I remember. Yeah, you better still be talking about my backseat. <laughs> you don't want to wonder what is. Tell her how you feel, son. I have some news. So do I. It's big. Mine's big, too. Okay, look, um... Okay, I want to go first. I met someone. Wow, that's, that's so great. I can't even talk about it, otherwise... Yeah, let's stop talking about it. Oh, there he is. Oh, my God. Hi, baby. Hi, Mr. Flash. Hi, Mr. Thugs. Mr. Beard scratching me. I missed your taste. I missed your thumbs. Oh, man. Can I tell you the, the thing that I like the most about that so far, Phil? Yep. Um, is whatever that song was, which has taken me all the way back to the 2000s. I've never heard it before, so maybe I'm, you know, either which, showing which my song? age or being out of touch. The always be my baby just had such a nice vibe to it. So, well, there you go. That's the entire reason the song, the film's called that way. You know, you get it now. Uh, always be my baby. Yeah. Always be my baby. Look, I've understood it. I've actually, you know what, Phil? It's a difficult concept, but I think I've got my head around it. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Laurie. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for supporting thanks. this segment of the show. You're yeah, so, so this is. Um, a, a, I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was much uh, better than I thought it was going to be. Sometimes you see a Netflix film and you're thinking, oh, is this going to be a bit kind of fillery, bit rubbish, kind of not good enough for the actual theatre? But in this case, I think genuinely this is a just a really fun uh, slightly modern rom-com this is a classic setup they've got together they sort of friends they grew up together best friends and then maybe they had a bit of a sort of thing and then it's fallen away and 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 will they resume it that's kind of the setup it's it's ripe for rom-com revelry this i think that's the right thing to say <laughs> rom-com um, revelry is uh, i'm pretty sure that's like a club somewhere isn't it yeah no, I, i'm with you phil and it, like that kind of energy is surprisingly hard to come by now sometimes it's budget related right because there's not really a market in hollywood anymore for this middle budget sort of thing either it's really tiny and indie and it's like good time with robert pattinson do you remember that film yeah or it's marvel massive stuff so billions of dollars yeah almost a rarity these days right 
Well, I would say this is where Netflix can really, and, and other streaming services as well, could really carve out a niche in the, the movie market because I think people like these sort of movies. They're the sort of movies that you think, oh, I'll give it a go and I'll watch it. And it's not a huge commitment. It's only an hour and a half, but it's fun. And I found this film genuinely pretty funny. I laughed out quite a few times. Uh, I watched it with my wife, Ellie, and we had a good time. We enjoyed it. It was yeah. funny. Um, there's a fantastic cameo in case you didn't pick it up in the uh, the the musical version of the trailer, the audio version of the trailer. I'm almost inclined not to spoil it, but the trailer spoils it, so I'm not gonna. I think it's fine to say. But Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves is that celebrity person that she starts dating, and he does yeah. a great job of being a very weird, sort of fantastically bizarre, uh, sort of yeah distorted version of keanu reeves and it's the perfect sort of person for that role as this is he playing the, himself in it yeah he plays keanu reeves as That's the person great. dating and it's great it's a really fantastic worthwhile sort of comedy but also part of the story role i think it's genuinely really good and um i love the fact that it's written by the people who star in it um something which is i don't know i don't know how to say it in a kind of proper way but i really like the fact that it's an asian cast primarily and um it's not made a massive deal of. They are just themselves and they lead the films and they do a great job. They're, they're, they're quite an unusual dynamic to the, the two people in that she's very, very headstrong, quite um, sassy and just in charge of the situation. He's a bit of a sort of stoner loser guy. Um, but there's there's a good chemistry between them. You could tell that they've written it together. They they know these words. They it feels very natural and organic in how it comes out. There's a couple of moments where I kind of wish they toned it down a little bit. It is a slightly more racy version of a rom com than I would have liked. I quite like that sweet spot of just sort of nice, maybe Sandra Bullocky type uh, rom coms, which have just a sort of sweetness all the way through. <laughs> they are they're they're gone though. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> they're they gone, don't though. exist anymore. They yeah, died, the gone. like they've gone. But so all that's left is this, and it's slightly more racy, slightly more um, uh, rude. But I think there is still the sweetness there to kind of balance it out, and uh, and it's a fun little journey. I don't think you'll necessarily predict how it plays out, um, but I would recommend it. I really would. I think you'll have a good time and laugh. I think the there's a an opening. Um, what's the French for like a sort of uh, a, a saucy meeting? I don't know, like almost like a a get to, they get together basically in a car and it's they hysterical. call it a meet, a meet cute. No, in this is not a meet cute. This is cinema. this is them. <laughs> I wanted to be that. <laughs> them oh, getting together in a car, and I think it's it was hilarious. It's very very funny, and um, okay. I, I laughed out loud. And I think rom coms often don't get the laughing out loud part particularly right. And um, yeah, a good performance from both of them. Ali Wong, I think, is. Slightly different than her stand-up persona. Her stand-up persona is very fierce and sort of formidable, uh, quite shouty. In this, she's a bit calmer. Randall Park as well. You might have seen him in... He's, he plays politicians. He plays. He's had little moments in lots and lots of things. He was in The Office once. But here he's playing a different sort of character, and I think he pulls it off as well, really, really well. He's a, he, his sort of main thing is he's in a, a band, a musical band that's talented but not really going anywhere. And what's great about this movie, something I really liked as kind of an aside is that the music that the band has, they're called the Hello Peril, um, and uh, it's genuinely quite fun and good. I quite liked it, even though it's sort of just for the movie. Um, so there's loads of reasons to check it out. I really think, give it a go, you might just enjoy it more than you think. And I think, looking at Laurie's face right now, listen, I think I maybe just planted a little seed that might just grow into a little yeah, bulb no, that no. becomes I'm, a tree, sold. a massive oak tree. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely sold on it. I love this kind of mood in film. And you're, you're right, like, some of the best laughs to be had uh, to be had with this kind of genre, and so it's so sad. I think that it's become so diminished um, in, in the last few years because I think you know, strangely enough, the only other people 
making this kind of, or well, the key person I think making this kind of film is Adam Sandler, right? Which is mm. weird. You wouldn't expect that to happen, but actually, he is straight. He has got the middle of the road rom com firmly within his grasp on Netflix. So it's quite nice to see it. Not that I, I've got mixed feelings about Adam Sandler, but it's quite nice to see other people moving in on that territory. Uh, and doing a good job with it. So I'm sold. Plus, also, I can see the runtime here is one hour, 41 minutes. Now, that's perfect if you've got to put three children to bed. <laughs> By the time you actually get downstairs to have adult time, uh, you've got almost nothing left in the tank. So well done, Phil. I'm on it. That sounds There's great. There's my recommendation for this week. All right. Tell us what you think. Go and watch it. Let us know. Is Phil right or wrong? You can kind of do the old thing we used to do on our other podcast, plus ones and minus ones, if you agree with Phil give him a plus one. Or if you agree with me, you can give me a plus one. And if you disagree with us both, we actually haven't thought through the maths on this, Phil. <laughs> you can give us minus ones as well. So you can give and taketh away. <laughs> Do power. That. We give listeners the power <laughs> in this podcast. That's it. Flicks and film at gmail.com at Flicks and film on Twitter. A fast sort of recommendation here. We, we're throwing games into the mix every now and again. Phil wants to talk about a Hades, uh, which I've heard a lot about but never played. Hit me, Phil. So I'm going to do this very, very quickly. Hades is a roguelike genre, which I've been trying to get my head around because I've never heard of it. And I've been out the gaming scene for a while and I was getting back into it during lockdown. Um, have you heard of roguelikes? I've heard of the phrase roguelike, but I wouldn't confidently be able to tell you what on earth it means. As far as I could deduce, and apologies if I get this wrong, it's this idea if you do a game and it's kind of one and done type gaming. So you gonna it's each time you play, you're starting... It's a bit like an arcade version. You get you use your quarter, whatever it is, or coin to get as far as you can in the game and see if you can complete it. And each time you play it, you can make different choices that maybe help you or hinder you. And you kind of have different strategies of whether or not you can get through to the end. That kind of sounds confusing, but let me explain the concept to you of this game. In this game, you are in Hades and you play a character who's the son of Hades. And you play Zagreus, who is a sort of demigod who wants to escape from hell. And in order to escape from hell, he has to go through the different levels. Normally, you go down further into hell or something like that to defeat or rescue somebody. This time, he's trying to get out of hell. He's going to use these boons, these power-ups from the different Greek gods to help him. So you get a special boon that gives you lightning powers if you go with Zeus. Or you can go with Dionysus and he gives you uh, some powers to do with health and wine and drinking and things like that or Aphrodite, who charms the enemies. And each time you, you can use these different weapons, it's really fast-paced, which I love. And what's great about this game, unlike other roguelikes, which don't really appeal to me, because I like the idea of progression, is that they use this whole concept of trying to escape from uh, hell, escape from the underworld, uh, and they incorporate into the storytelling of the game. So normally what happens when you die in a video game, it's game over, that's it. In this game, because you're already... In hell, you're already in Hades. If you die, you just go back and you have all your memories and you just you go and meet Hades again. And he says, what are you trying to do? You trying to escape again? Ugh, when are you going to stop right, this? Okay. And so they use it as the whole format of kind of repeating and trying to get further and further out of the, the underworld to tell some really cool stories, some really brilliant voice acting, really brilliant characters full of Greek mythology. Um, you've got Achilles in there, Petroleus, uh, Petrocolius. I can't, Laura, you did some classics. Patroclus? Is yeah, there you go. I can't say it. I can't say it. But they make appearances. I didn't do classics. You did some of it. You, you read the Iliad, oh, no, didn't I, you? I read, I read the Iliad, yeah. I didn't do classics, unless that counts, yeah. <laughs> we did a little bit of classics. And anyway, anyway, I what's great is it's each escape attempt that you make, probably maximum takes half an hour. So it's brilliant. You can power through a little go. And I've probably made about 100 escape attempts since getting the game, and I'd be playing it a lot. 
So embarrassing. That sounds for good, me. man. I, I tell you what's uh, winning me over with that one is having heard about it. Well, I mean, I said I'd tell you something about games, and I'll come to that in a minute. I think I'm not massively a fan of the kind of hell subgenre of games. So Doom, I just can't really see eye to eye with that. I know there's a lot said about how amazing the gameplay is. I just don't fancy being in a world full of demons all the time when I play. I don't like the aesthetic and the sort of style, but the fact that this is Greek mythology actually is makes me feel better about it. Like that's kind of intriguing. It's it's interesting. Um, it's something more colourful maybe. Am I right that that is a bit like Dark Souls as well, which is, you know, if you know if you've been following video games at all the last ten years, you will definitely have heard of Dark Souls. <laughs> and partly because there's been a cliche that every game critic ever refers to every game as just like Dark Souls. Mm. Here I am doing exactly that. But isn't that a similar thing? It's all about little bits of um, progression down a linear pathway. It, it's sort of linear, but you die a lot and have to redo your steps and all this sort of stuff and try and relearn. Almost, I mean, in some ways, that's just like an old platformer, isn't it? Because the whole point is, in a platform level is you get to that point again where you always die and you hate it. But the, the feeling of elation when you finally beat that moment is great, right? Yeah, totally. And I think that's perhaps what's kept me going uh, for so many escape attempts because I have not been that successful. I think I've managed to escape uh, maybe five times now after playing it uh, over, uh, I don't know, 100 escape attempts. So it's genuinely quite tricky. And you do learn and sort of discover ways and strategies. And each time you do it, you're, you've got different weapons you can use um, for each of your runs, each of your escape attempts. And so there's variety. And just going back just to what you said, I agree. I'm not I, Something that put me off getting this game and going after it is I'm not a massive fan of the underworld and demons and all that sort of stuff. That's not really my bag. But as you say, it's got this Greek kind of coating to it, Greek, Greek mythology to it that brightens it. So you don't spend all your time surrounded by sort of fire and demons and things. You eventually move up through the ladders to Elysium where it's you've got sort of warriors who fight you instead of... Yeah, uh, right, cool. So it, exactly, I think... The, the the fact this is made by an independent game, a super giant games. Uh, they made this other game called Bastion. You might have heard of, which lots of yes, people said I know was Bastion, very good. Yeah. So these this 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 same company. They have put so much love and attention into this game that I really think it's it's genuinely pretty impressive that they've managed to do it. So if you want something that you can sort of pour a little bit of time into, challenge yourself with a tricky game, I'd really recommend Hades. I think you'll have a lot of fun and challenge yourself. I'm I'm pretty convinced. I'll tell you, Phil, why I haven't bought it yet, and this is because. Uh, what I've realised, and I wonder whether anyone else, especially during lockdown, has been afflicted by this, is with the advent of Steam on PCs <laughs> and, you know, how easy it is to download games, even on PS4s. I think without even realising it, I've essentially started up a game collection and I, I don't have time to actually play any of these things. Yeah. So like, I, I'll read out to you, like on my desktop at the, at the moment, I'm looking at Cyberpunk 2077, Mass Effect Andromeda, Halo the Master Chief Collection, Hitman 2, Disco Elysium. Way of the Samurai 4, Dishonored, Skyrim, The Witcher 3, Pillars of the Earth, Sleeping Dogs, Assassin's Creed 4, Valkyrie Have you, pay, have you played any of these? Is, Halo Wars 2. I played all of them at least once. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is what I'm telling you. It's it occurred to me so clearly that I think there must actually be something happening. Like, it's the, the fun of getting something on an amazing deal, right? Yeah. So I'm up for it. Just give me about 10 years to, okay, to finish okay. what I've actually got first. Okay. Well, when you do, let me know how you get on. If you've played Hades or would like to get it and then tell me what you think, do let me know because I'd like to know if other people enjoyed it just as much as I did. It seems like loads of people are loving it and it may be a skip you by. I would check it out. 
Well, there we go. That's a slightly uh, varied uh, slew of recommendations this time round. Mandalorian Season 2, Always Be My Maybe in Hades. What did I do? Did I even offer anything this episode? <laughs> Mandal- like you, were, you were chatting all the way through. You gave us a little uh, tidbit into your life of uh, considering general tactics in movies. Uh, yes, that was that's fun. true. Military tactics. I'm sure it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, well, I've got a really intimidatingly huge list of stuff that I, re- I really should have done a recommendation. <laughs> Otherwise, next week, it's going to be me next reading week, off you, about you, 10 you series. Just, you just dominate it, man. You're going to be great. I don't know about that. Could I read you out some of these things? Why don't you choose some of these series, man? You tell me what sounds good to you. Lupin or Lupin, The Witcher, Dark, uh, Wolf's Reign, that's an anime, Alice in Borderland, The Good Cop, Missing, Taiwan Class, Night on Earth, that's a nature show, Walking with Dinosaurs, I've rediscovered because of my kids, (laughs) Zig and Sharko, it's a cartoon, Cowboy Bebop, Seven Seeds, Japan Sinks, High Seas, Slash Altamar, Money Heist, The Expanse, any of those sound good to you? Oh, I like The Expanse as well. I'm interested to see what you thought of the newer seasons. I've got opinions okay. on that. Um, I also, I'm curious what you thought of Cowboy Bebop, The Witcher and Lupin and Dark. Those are the ones which stood out so to many. me. There's so loads. many. There's loads. Right, well, the thing is, I've seen some of these, so I could actually chip in. So why don't we make it a Laurie special episode next week? But no, no, no we're not doing two. that. We're not going to do it. Let's, not let's do, do that. Laurie special. No Laurie, one's going to tune into a Laurie, Laurie special. <laughs> Laurie. I wouldn't tune in. Look, we'll do something brilliant next week. Uh, in the meantime, send us your own thoughts. Flixandfilm at gmail.com, at Flixandfilm on Twitter, especially if there's something you'd really like us to check out. Because it's in some ways, I know we're all worried about cinema, um, at the moment but in some ways it's never been a better time to try out new stuff because there's so much less you can do in the world that there's a mm. great opportunity to try new stuff out so we'll take your recommendations seriously and let us know how you get on with ours uh, Phil anything else to add any bonuses for example no I think I've done plenty of talking for today and quite rapidly as such so I'm going to take a deep breath and pass it over to you Laurie here's the baton shall I try and do a bonus, bonus thing oh, yeah. the thing is I haven't prepared anything properly um, you told me about one. I've got so many. Did I tell you about one? What was it? Oh, what the alphabet? Alf- no. Alphabet tier. <laughs> no, we're not going to do the <laughs> alphabet. alphabet. No, no, there's nothing to say. There's nothing to say about it. I want to uh, hear what you thought. I'm so. looking at my phone on my huge list of things. It's such a mess. This list. How about this one? If you had tea or milk in a glass, would you keep using it for water? Question mark. What beforehand? Are you no, finished, no, you, you, you drunk finished it. your tea. You finished your milk. Would you use that mug again? For water. Can I rinse it? No. It's at the table. Oh, tea, fine. Milk. Oh, no, well, no, no, no. Even oh, milk no, but has water in it. Stain it. It's got water it in it. Stain it. Ugh. It just just doesn't appeal to me, that sort of stuff. I've had a major battle in my life uh, having a baby, getting over stickiness and just tainted things. And so that I feel like it's tainted. I don't want to have, I want to have water. I don't want to have Water with a little bit of something else in it. You need purity. I don't like it. You need absolute 100% purity. Yes, exactly. What would you do? Well, I have done it. I mean, it's partly why I asked. I realised it might be a bit of a dilemma. I don't know. Is that a big question? You tell us. I think milk and tea are pretty safe. It's stuff like, I did, like I wouldn't, for some reason, I wouldn't put water, I wouldn't use the same glass I drunk Coke from for water. For some reason, that would bother me more than milk or tea. I don't know how to explain it. Oh, no, it. that's fine. That doesn't bother no, me at all. No, I think you're wrong about that because Coke is sort of sweet, isn't it? I think there's... Anyway, look, this is ridiculous. What a point. <laughs> this is what happens when I just open my phone up and read the first thing that I see. This is Laurie's thoughts. Here we go. 
Uh, do you ever give too much info to baristas or baris, um, retailers when you go to a coffee shop? Like I've put in, for example, here. This is like looking into the past for me because I don't know how long ago I wrote this. <laughs> for example, <laughs> ah, well, you know, after buying a croissant, normally I'd say jam, but I think just butter today. Do they need to know that? Oh, no, they don't. No, they don't. Laurie, <laughs> that's embarrassing. Is that embarrassing? That makes me sad. So? Why does that make you yes. sad? Because that's too, that's like, that is the step too far. That's your, your, it's, it's, I think it's, I'm starting to go down that vein myself, which is like, I'm going to try and brighten this person's day no, by that's treating not why them like you a do human being. No, you don't try to brighten their day. You just talk to them like an, a normal person. It's not because you think That's what I mean. You're going to treat them, you're brightening you're far, their day. Father not Christmas like, with joy or something. No, no, no. It's not like you're going to do something revolutionary. It's just that you're going to engage with them rather than just being that faceless customer. You're instead going to talk to them and break them out of their work mode and treat them no, like the again, that they I are. No, again, I never do it thinking I'm going to change this person's life, Phil. I <laughs> think Maybe deep down you, you are do. thinking it's a little bit. I think you are. I think I'm more doing it just for the joy, because especially in these days, like actually going into a coffee shop and ordering a croissant is like a luxury moment. I want to enjoy the moment to its fullest. And so, <laughs> no, normally I'd say jam, but today just butter. <laughs> Oh, that example just makes my heart sink. Uh, mine too, Phil. That's exactly why I wrote it down in my notepad, believe it or not. That, that well, uh, Next time I'll prepare something and you prepare something too. In the meantime, listeners, have a lovely week. Nice to be back with you again. Uh, we should be back with more of this kind of random stuff, I think. Joy. Joyful things. That's what we'll bring next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.